The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and it is a pleasure to be co-hosting this show with, drumroll, 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 Zach Sloan. Zach Sloan is joining us this week. Hello, Zach. How's it going, Ryan? (laughs) It's going very well. I see that you rolled some Dungeons & Dragons dice to start our show off. Is that a roll for initiative? How'd we do? 17 i think that'll do okay a, se- a nat 17 i'm this is gonna be a good show all right i'm feel like and, and that's not and that's not with like any enhancements or anything right like i know sometimes the bar or the uh what do they call like the, the guys with the, the big tough guys that like just the barbarians. the barbarians yeah like they get like extra attack right but we didn't need Dude, any of that because we got a 17 this has all gone off the rails you said natural 17 which um, if i had glasses i'd push them up um <laughs> that's not the right says. expression now, natural twenty is what you're looking for. Um, we don't we don't call them enhancements. They are. Um, oh, now I'm gonna bring for on the word. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. You've you've crushed my nerd cred. Wait, but one more silly Dungeons and Dragons question here. Like, because I understand, right? When you roll a twenty, which is really good in Dungeons and Dragons, but mm-hmm. you don't need any like special extra points to get it. Like you just roll because it's a twenty sided mm-hmm. die, which is incredible, right? And that's called a natural twenty. Because that means it's like a nat got, twenty, baby. Oh, look at that! Yeah, there it is. So, like, when you roll a seventeen, that's not called a nat seventeen. No, the and there's a whole lot of nerd stuff behind that. <laughs> it's because if you roll a twenty, you automatically hit whatever monster you're fighting, and that's not always the case for a seventeen. So, you know, it's, wow. it's the, I guess the idea that like even a noob could throw a dagger and maybe stab a dragon. I don't stab a dragon. I don't know. I mean, D and D is not a perfect game. I people. mean. <laughs> Randomly throwing daggers and hitting proverbial dragons by accident has basically just been the story of my professional life. And so, uh, you know, I, I have no quarrel with that method of success. You know what? True story. Every, everybody who ever meets my wife says the exact same thing about me. <laughs> well, happy to be here with you, man. I've got a lot of great topics to talk about, and I'm excited to have you here. As we interview our guest coming up after the commercial break, we have one of my favorite people to interview in the whole Break the Business universe. I think we've had her on a couple times. Every time it's great. Angela Soap is going to be joining us. Terrific indie Americana artist, winner of the Great American Songwriting Contest. Lots to like about her. Great music, great life story. A lot of cool you know, stories in her life that helped shape her art. I think the creators are going to learn a lot from her, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic show. Plus, she helped us raise money for that COVID relief telethon we did last year, so obviously she has a special place in our hearts. Can't wait to talk to Angela. So I know you dig her stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, super talented. I, I think when I first started listening to the podcast way back when, she was one of the first guests um, that I got to hear and really, and really enjoy. And uh, yeah, super talented. I'm looking forward to speaking with her because I've never actually been been able to talk to her before. So, Angela and I and this show go way back, and excited to continue that journey with her. But before we get to happier times by getting to interview our friend Angela, we got some rather depressing news for indie creators to talk about uh, that came out in Rolling Stone recently. And you are the guy I want to talk to about this, Zach, as a as a working indie musician. 
that you know need, you know loves getting streams and loves the revenue streams that come from that. This is kind of an interesting story for you, and uh, this is definitely something that uh, perked me up when I was reading Rolling Stone. So it turns out, Zach, that one of the most popular genres of music on Spotify is the sound of rainfall to help people sleep. And unfortunately, this might be causing some sleepless nights for indie creators. Do, do you listen to the sleep records? I know, I feel good about that one. It only took me nine hours to write that, yes. No, I don't listen to sleep records because I'm not evil. <laughs> oh, so I think you've read this Rolling Stone story. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, man. All right. Let me catch everyone up. All right. This is, yeah, this is a mess. I, I, I have been known to listen to sleep music on occasion. Our, our friend, uh, Cheryl B. Engelhard, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, she does this new age stuff. It does help me sleep. It's great. But this is a different story. You're absolutely right. I am right. not talking about Cheryl's record. It's, it's awesome. That's an album. All right. That's a record. <laughs> yes. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'll contain my rage momentarily, Ryan. Please. <laughs> so yeah, we're about uh, to hate on. Us. We're about to hate on a, a certain kind of sleep music. But for those of you indie creators out there who make sleep music and you work hard on it, and they are legitimate songs, yes. this story ain't about you. All right, let's just get that out there because I don't want anybody getting defensive. But here's what happened. All right, so September 14th, Rolling Stone puts out a story reporting that Spotify account Sleep Fruits Music, which is distributed by a Warner Music affiliate. Uh, has uh, caught some controversy lately because this uh, Sleep Fruits account is one of the most popular accounts on Spotify. It has over 10 million streams a day. There are days where it outstreams Lady Gaga. All right, so the sound of rainfall to help people sleep is a popular genre. But here's the problem. These platforms are gaming the Spotify system and taking money out of the pockets of indie creators like Zach Sloan. Here's the problem, all right? So generally a song on Spotify is about, what, three to five minutes, depending on how long the artist you know, makes their song. And an artist gets paid for every time a song is streamed. So the more songs you get streamed, the more money you get paid. What this uh, Sleep Fruits account has been doing, according to the Rolling Stone article, is instead of having like a three to five minute sleep song, in this case the song just being the sound of rain falling, which helps people sleep, they're making their tracks 31 seconds. Why 31 seconds? Because the minimum amount of time for a song to register as a track for Spotify to count as a stream for getting yourself paid is 30 seconds. So they make these songs just above the bare minimum. They stick these Rainfall songs in a playlist with like 250 other Rainfall songs that are about 30 minutes. People leave the playlist running all night while they sleep, and that account racks up a ton of streams, more streams than Lady Gaga. The problem with this, as uh, Zach's rage is trying to intimate to us, is that the way artists are paid on Spotify is it's, a, it's, it's based on your part of the whole. So if your tracks are streamed 10% of the time on Spotify overall, then you get 10% of the Spotify royalties. So if this Spotify account has short little tracks and they're stuffing it into a track with a bunch of playlists and they're having people listen to it all night, and so it's racking up a bunch of extra streams, which is ultimately taking the money out of the pockets of artists like Zach and other indie creators who are making actual three to five minute songs and are seeing less money. So um, this is a big problem, and I'm concerned about it, what it means for artists, because these, these playlists, Zach, are insanely popular. I was reading that uh, the Sleep Fruits playlist, which has 235 songs on it, yeah, they're not trying to game the system. It's the eighth most streamed playlist on Spotify. It's outstreamed rap caviar, 
and hot country, even though those platforms have a higher follower count. So I'm concerned about this. Well, I'll make fun of um, hot country playlists on another podcast episode. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. Like, all right, Spotify, it's your move. Because Wolfpack tried to do this exact same thing on a much chiller, more, I thought, indie, like, indie-friendly way when they made a record of silence that they asked their fans to stream so they could go play free shows. And Spotify took that off of the play, off the, the off their platform because it was, I don't know what they're, disingenuous, well, whatever. system in a similar yeah, way. Yeah, somebody else does it with stupid rain. This isn't even a creative thing. At least, like, Wolfpack was being funny about it. If somebody's, like, making 31 seconds of rain. And let's be real. My, my plays don't get me enough money or this affects me. But there are indie artists out there who do. And when we're reducing the percentage they get, you're screwing them over. And Spotify has set a precedent that this is not okay, right? That they, they have pulled stuff like this off their platform before, but that time directly targeting an indie act. And now somehow this is okay and this is bigger than Rap Caviar. This is bigger than Hot Country. That's fine. But the Rap Caviar thing really bothers me. Uh, it's great stuff so, with Rap Caviar. Yeah, there is. And if, if you like the country playlist on Spotify, I'm sorry. I just I like to make fun of country music. Um, I'm really, I really don't hate it on that much. But the, what angers me is not that somebody is gaming the system. I, you know what? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But what bothers me is that Spotify has already said this isn't, isn't okay, and they have penalized indie, indie creators for doing this exact thing in the past. And that's what makes me furious. So they, that's an interesting part of the story. I didn't know this. So they came, they came after indie creators for trying to make kind of a political statement uh, with what they were trying to do. And they came down on those people hard. But when Sleep Fruits is just doing it as a naked money grab and mm-hmm. doing it on a scale that's so much more massive than what this indie group did so far, Spotify's turning a blind eye to it. Yeah. What Wolf, Wolfpack did, and it was probably seven, eight years, nine years ago, they said, hey, if we can get enough money, we're going to do a tour for free. Like, So they made a record of 31-second silent albums. They said, fans, stream this in your sleep. And hmm. Spotify, they made like 20 grand, and then Spotify yanked it with no explanation. All right? That is the same thing. Yeah. Except this time, they were just being upfront. whereas I don't know if this playlist has been like, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, try to stick it to the man. Like you're asleep. All right. I'm sorry. It's sleep. Music is sleep music. Uncool. And that's not even music. All right. It's not even music. Sleep a fire. Whatever your stupid name is (laughs) trying to take money away from hardworking people. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's particularly problematic for two reasons. As far as I'm concerned, one is the fact that the way that the, 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 the music, the recorded music economy is shaping up for artists is that streaming revenues are more critical than ever, especially with the pandemic and, you know, artists can't go out and tour as much, making money off your recorded music more critical than ever. And as a recent RIAA report that just came out has noted, even though sync licensing and music licensing is becoming an increasingly larger part of the pie in terms of money generated by recorded music, It's still a streaming industry for recorded music. 84% of recorded music revenues in the music industry are still coming from streaming. So if you're losing money in streaming, that's that's your livelihood right there. And, you know, so that's the first thing about this that bothers me. The second thing about this that bothers me is as horrifying as this Sleep Fruit story is and and, and how obviously it's a naked money grab. um, 
it is it is also a problem with a very simple solution. It is absolutely possible to fix this problem and a lot of the other streaming shenanigans that uh, happen on Spotify by Spotify making one very small change. Shift I love to user-centric royalties. You've been pounding the table on this show for this for it has been years my cause. now, literally. <laughs> and nothing proves that that is the way to do it than this. If people want to listen to sleep, rain, crap in their whatever. Listen, I'm not hating on you if you listen to rain. Fine. But, like, <laughs> fine. Then they get $10 from that person a month, and that's it. Right. They're not cutting up everybody else's. Sorry, my rage just jumped on your point. Continue, Ryan. No, My this anger is, cannot be contained. You have it exactly right. So just to illustrate this to the the viewers and listeners out there who are not familiar with user-centric royalties so as we said before spotify pays you by how many of your streams relative to all of the streams come from you so if 10 percent of the music uh streamed on spotify was zach sloan music two things would happen one we would never hear from zach again he'd be on some beach somewhere i would be on a private (laughs) island with my new friends (laughs) but also what would happen is zach would get 10 percent of the royalties on spotify what user-centric royalty does is rather than treat all of the streaming revenues as one giant pot, you treat every separate Spotify user as their own pot. So I pay $9.99 for Spotify. If I do nothing but listen to Zach Sloan's music all month, which I've done, um, Zach would get all of my $9.99 minus whatever Spotify's cut is. But that way, as Zach noted, if I listen to nothing but sleep music, 30-second sleep songs all night, and that's all I listen to for a month, then that sleep music is only going to get my 99, my 9.99. But they're not going to also get, you know, Zach's 9.99 and Angela Soap's 9.99 and the 9.99 of a bunch of other users on Spotify who are now subsidizing one Spotify listener's rainfall music habit. And so I have two... F- oh, continue, no, right? Go Sorry. for it, go for it, yeah. I have two things. I just realized I stole a Ron White joke, and I apologize. The island with my new friends, that's Ron White. He's a great comic. That's not mine. I do second, love Ron White, yes. Second, okay, this is not only an issue. This is this is not only an issue that's come up in the context of this rain music in Wolfpack. It was not that long ago where there was some concern about fake artists popping up on playlists so that Spotify could, you know, in theory, line their own pockets. And I'm just curious how long it it goes before Spotify's maybe, or maybe they have done this. I don't know. I'm sorry. I should have never said that. That's the way fake news goes around. But it, it strikes me as possible that what if Spotify were to say, hey, this, there's some money in this, and we're going to do this ourselves, like happened with the fake bands and artists that were on playlists previously. My concern with this, and I wish Evan was on the show because I need a cohort in rage. <laughs> Spotify has addressed this. They have said it is not okay, but yeah, it is okay in situations where they can make money for themselves or dilute the, the royalty share for indie artists or just not just any artists, all artists. This further goes to underscore. This is a shady thing we're talking about when we're talking about Spotify and streaming and indie artists got to be aware. Cause I'm very concerned with like, you know, once is an anomaly, twice is a coincidence. Three is a habit. Yeah. And I'm seeing, we're seeing this type of a habit, this type of behavior from Spotify over and over and over. And I am so, at this point, I'm so sick and tired of every time I, as you noted, Zach, pound the table for user-centric royalties. I inevitably hear the people who say, well, the studies have been have come out on this and they've shown that, you know, the it's a little unclear as to whether this will make more money for indie creators or not. It's not an open question. It's still being looked at. It's still being looked at. Well, like, 
at this point, like I don't even I don't even care what the studies say anymore. It's so self-evidently obvious that user-centric royalties would make money would make more money for indie creators at this point because simply because it would completely negate all the streaming shenanigans that happen on Spotify. Also, I mean, the more obvious fact of if we had user-centric royalties, now we don't have a situation where the yoga studio that is playing music all day, 24 hours a day, doing nothing but top 40 music is only paying $99.99, and all the other users are subsidizing that music. And now if I listen to Zach Sloan all month, Zach Sloan's not seeing very much of my money because it's all going to the yoga st- whoever the yoga studio is listening to. That seems so slap you in the face obvious to me that whenever I see these people that are coming out with studies saying, well, it's not clear that this will act, that user-centric royalties will make money for indie creators, I feel like I'm being gaslit. Dude, it's you know what? And shout out to uh, Slam Radio. I'm I'm keeping my mouth clean because of you all. Um, <laughs> Our friends but, at Zach, uh, our friends at uh, Slam Radio appreciate that. Serious XM like, 45. <laughs> I know, but hey, you know what? I I, I respect the, I respect the the youth of all, in all these things, but I'm still angry. <laughs> Here's the thing: this is absolutely true, and this, I realize this is a microcosm, but that's true, especially because I know my mom pretty much has Spotify to listen to my record, and or my records, and that's cool, mom. I love you, bless you. <laughs> uh, listen to whatever you want. I'm not trying to like, but my income would theoretically go up, but it's it's not. If there is a basic element of fairness, right? Like, every time whenever I picture, and I stole this from you, Ryan, so as I'm stealing jokes, when I picture Spotify writing checks, I just imagine Ed Sheeran, Drake, Taylor Swift walking out with bags of money, and then whatever's left over from falling out of those bags, the rest of us pick up. And I have no problem with that if Taylor Swift is, you know, generating those streams, but why not just make it a fair system? She's not going to be negatively impacted. Her fans are rapid. You know, Drake's fans are rabid. Uh, but it totally cuts out this crap that just keeps coming up over and over again, and it's such an easy fix. Yeah. Well, before we bring in Angela Soph, I, I want to I want to get you in on a happier topic before we go to break here, because I, I want you in a good mood for Angela. So I'm wondering if you have seen the uh, the latest, you know, since we'll stay in the Rolling Stone universe here. Have you seen the latest article that just came out today, I believe, where Rolling Stone has just released its list of the 500 best songs of all time? I figure we could talk about best songs of all time and to get you in a good mood before we talk to Angela after the break. You know, Ryan, as an avid Twitter user, this list infuriates me, no! and I can't believe you would bring it up even after <laughs> what we've just been through. <laughs> oh, no. I am mad at all things. No. Now, it's fine. You know what? Hot take. It's fine. I have... Two gripes with the list. Two out of 500 is not bad. It's not bad. And only one of them is a real gripe. Uh, here's my first gripe. You ready for this, Ryan? Yeah. Fleetwood Max Dreams. It's number nine. It's in the top ten. Um, you did some research after I inquired about this. Dreams wasn't on their list a few years ago. Yeah, they did this yeah, list after back in dude, 2003, most recently. Yeah, 2003. Dreams isn't even in the, the top 500. And more music has been released, released since then, so... It seems odd to me that Fleetwood Mac's Dreams is now in the top ten. Could that be because of some charismatic skateboarder riding around drinking cranberry juice to that song? Could it? Could it? <laughs> that has to be it, right? Like, TikTok has just revolutionized the music industry in ways that, like, I would never imagine. Like, who, who like TikTok has, has reunited ABBA. ABBA was not going to get back together. Oh, God, All I of a sudden, about that. you know, you have 
you know, Dancing Queen and all these other songs yeah. going nuts on TikTok. And suddenly ABBA's like, mm, let's get the band back together again. The kids love and, us. You know, you know what? This is, and this is a time where social media did something good. I'm fine with ABBA. Um, I, I actually think ABBA. this is fine, like in the grand scheme of things, because these lists are made to be argued about. Like, it wasn't that long ago when I looked at the most recent um, Rolling Stone Top 500 albums, and I was like, oh, they finally discovered hip-hop. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was happy to see that this this list included lots of multiple genres. Uh, Missy Elliott, Outkast in the top ten. I'm fine with that. Dreams I just thought was funny. But you want to know what the bigger problem I have, Ryan? Mm. The missed opportunity that this list has just bungled. I can't believe it. Jay-Z's 99 Problems came in at number 96. That's Why wouldn't low. you just put it... No, no. Put it at 99. Why would it be at 96? <laughs> like, just put it at 99. Like, if you're not going to have it in the top 25 or top 50 or whatever, if it's going to be in the 90s, for the love of God, Rolling Stone, 99. You, you're going to put Dreams in the top 10, but you can't fudge Jay-Z down three? Come on. Get it together, Rolling Stone. That's a magnificent point. I mean, like, you can just imagine, like, somebody at Rolling Stone is, like, putting it at 99, trying to go for the obvious joke, and then somebody's like, no, it is the 96th best song, as if, like, somebody's going to check up on that. No, the only like, people who check up on it are people like me that went, I wonder if it, yeah. my first thought was, I wonder if 99 problems is at 99. And it was at 96, and somehow that made me angry. So what you're saying is, look, either put it in the top 25, or put it at number 312. But yeah, don't put it don't. close to 99. It should not be in the orbit of the century mark if it's not going to be at 99. That's it just shouldn't. That's fair. I mean, we're all okay with Aretha Franklin respect at number one, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, as long as you ignore the fact that she doesn't get royalties from Radio Airplay of the song, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's fair. So, um, but no, it's a great song. I love Aretha's version. It's fabulous. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I like. Who do you give the credit for there? Like, is it, is it that we're saying Aretha Franklin is number one, or is Otis Redding number one? Because that was his song. It was his song, yeah. and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it was his song until she sang it. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I mean. Fair. You know. Fair. That's that's accurate. Oh, also, Royals by Lord is number thirty. Which I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hate on that. I think that's awesome, yeah. but it does fill me with like mad jealous rage. I'm at this point in my life where whenever Lord accomplishes anything at such a yeah. young age, it just makes me feel so useless. She wrote, imagine, at 15 years old, she wrote the 30th best song ever written. When I was 15 years old, I needed a strategy guide to get 120 stars in Super Mario 64. Like, I feel like I've accomplished nothing when I see Lord at number 30 on the Rolling Stone list of top 500 songs of all time. And as I recall, she was dissatisfied with how that song came out. She thought it could have been better. <laughs> that makes me so <laughs> mad. That's like when you're in school and you get like an 80 on a test and the kid walks out with like a 97 on a test and he's mad that he didn't get 100. Yep. That's who Lord is right now. Yes, um, Lord, and and power to her. She's fabulous. Um, she's I'm like, glad I didn't this crack list. the top twenty-five. Uh, she's yeah. Um, she's she. You know how she sleeps dealing with that Ryan on her giant bed of money. Mm -hmm. um, the list is is I think by and large 
pretty solid. We can all argue about these things. There were no nothing nothing like crazy egregious that I spied in my cursory glance. It's nice to see that this sounds mean, but I I want you all to know I mean it to be mean. Um, <laughs> it's nice to see that some of this old stalwart stuff that people are like nothing can touch Elvis is finally falling off. Oh my right? god! Like it's it's good to see that. Don't get the Beatles are still deservedly where they are. Hendrix is where he is. But like, it's nice to sort of, I, every time I see Elvis fall down the list a little, I'm like, cool. Um, because there is better stuff out there. Um, and I will say, I think Missy Elliott. Yeah. She, she was more deserving of some of those slots than, you know, Elvis Presley. So you're come at me. so Don't. right. You're so, I was so afraid when I opened this list that the, it was just going to be like the top 10, Bob Dylan and, you know, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, which are all great mm. songs, but just like, like if you're not going to have any hip-hop artists on there, if you're not going to have any black artists on there, if you're not going to have anything after 1979 on there, your list is suspect. But to Rolling Stone's credit, they seem yeah. to have fixed this because like the 2003 list is exactly the way I described it. And this time around, they, they, they got their bleep together and put together yeah. like, I mean, I... I can't hate this list. Like I quibble, I'll quibble here and there, but like it's a solid list. Yeah, they they did a good job. Uh, and I also feel bad for whoever has to put this together, for two reasons. One is you're just gonna you're never gonna make anybody happy, and two, it's kind of a meaningless endeavor. Like this is just clickbait that Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone knows that people like us will argue and talk about it. And I can't imagine it's all that fulfilling unless you're a super music nerd, which maybe these people are. I don't know. Uh, I just find Rolling Stone suspect in all areas like this because, as you brought up Led Zeppelin, they used to trash Led Zeppelin records. So, Rolling Stone, I don't know what to make of you. Just put Jay-Z at 99. <laughs> that's, that's all we wanted. Oh, see, all right. You, you're glowing now, Zach. I feel like this puts you in a better place. This is, this is really great. All right. We're going to take the quickest of breaks, and then we're going to be back with our dear friend Angela Soph. Do not go anywhere. Break the Business will be coming back in two minutes. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at the BTB Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. I think we can all agree that the song that plays in that commercial might be one of the top 500 songs of all time. I think Rolling Stone missed that one. All right, let's bring on our guest this week. She is an acclaimed Americana artist from Yakima, Washington. The video from her latest single, Bloom, drops on September 27th, and she has an upcoming album due out later this year. You can find out more by visiting www.angelasof.com. We are happy to welcome our friend, Angela Sof, on to Break the Business Welcome back, Angela. It's been entirely too long. It has. You guys are so rad. I'm sitting here just like laughing to myself the whole time. Oh, <laughs> it's so fun to see you. Indeed, coming from you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, I hope you're. Are you liking the new streaming digs here? We're on Sirius XM Radio, major podcast platforms, Twitch, YouTube Live. We're we're everywhere now. Yes, you're so high tech. It's. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is believable because, you know, the pandemic, but it's it's amazing. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yes, it's this, awesome. A lot of this was pandemic induced. Um, and I, I know as an artist, you've had to make lots of pivots amid the pandemic. And I, I do want to talk to you about all of them. But just so you know, we podcasters have had to as well. Let me catch up with you here, Angela, because it's been a while. We, we the, I think the last time we talked to you was back in early 2020. You came on our telethon to raise money for Sweet Relief. Thank you so much for that. And at the time that you did that interview, you had just won the Great American Songwriting Contest. So that was really, really cool. And now that it's been you know a little more than a year since then, can you talk a little bit about what the aftermath of winning that award has been. Has it led to any cool songwriting opportunities for you? We know it's led to professional opportunities because you're here on Break the Business now, and I know that's all you would have wanted from winning that award. But uh, what about, like, have you gotten some interesting songwriting opportunities or collaborations from it? Yeah, it's been cool. You know, it's one of those things where I think, like, you don't set out trying to win a whole bunch of awards. I even say this in some of the classes that I teach, you know, like you, you just, uh, you just do your craft and you try to do a good job. And then when cool stuff lands in your lap like that, it's like, yay bonus. You know, it's like, it's like sprinkles on the cupcake, but I think a lot of it is just like continuing on with what I've been doing anyway. So yeah, I mean, I was able to, I was in Nashville like several times, during the past year and a half and co-wrote with a bunch of people there and, and then doing a lot of like virtual co-writing, um, you know, just online has been cool too. I'm kind of a lone wolf when it comes to songwriting. So this has been really good for me to like branch out and try to write more with other people. So So, collaborative songwriting, this has been a new experience for you. Uh, yeah. Like, is it, uh, can you talk about that transition? Because I've heard about that from a lot of artists where they say, I-, I used to always write by myself, but as I got more into the industry, I sort of realized the value that came from collaborative songwriting, but also some of the challenges from that process. Can you reflect on that transition for you? Yeah. So writing alone, I think, is what you everyone starts with. I don't. This is just my experience. You know, you're sitting on on your couch crying over a breakup, and you write this song, right? <laughs> So that's how it starts. And then and then you realize that there's a shared experience that other people are having too. Like, oh, someone else knows what that feels like. And so I actually was recommended 
um, I joined a, a class actually online and they kind of paired us up to, so I was a little bit forced into co-writing the first time. And I found that like people were super cool and it was actually a way to get to know someone um, on a, on a deeper level while you're accomplishing something really cool. And then when I, so when I went to Nashville, um, that was so cool because I was meeting complete strangers and within like five minutes of being in a room with someone, you already know like their deepest heartache and like what they're going through in that moment. And it's so bonding and it's so cool because some of these people, I mean, you may never see them again, but you're like, wow, like I, we're so similar. Human beings are so similar, right? Like we all feel things and we're all, we have to be vulnerable when you're in a songwriting situation in a room with someone. You can't have an ego. You can't be better. No one's, no one's better or worse. It's like, how can we build this collaborative thing together and make something cool? And so the egos are really checked at the door and it's like, you just have the best time. So I highly recommend it. Like I don't, I don't always songwrite, but when I do, it's really fun. <laughs> collaboration has sort of, and, and new collaborations and collaborating in different ways has been kind of the, the, the you know, reason for being for you lately. With this new record, uh, I believe I read that you had worked with an all-female team uh, for your collaboration on this record. Uh, what was that like? Uh, what, what art could emerge from that sort of collab? Yeah, so... Um, the the team that I have, it's not a it wasn't a songwriting team. I actually wrote all the songs on the record except for one um, by myself. But when it came to crafting in the studio, it was it was definitely like tons of feminine energy, and that was so cool. Because I mean, you know how it is. Well, maybe maybe you don't. But Zach probably does. When you get into the studio, you're. Um, you, ha you come in with an idea of what the song should sound like, and then it it comes out the door like a totally different product. It's like it went through a machine and got all chopped up and became something else. So uh, I'm really proud of what we made, and I feel like credit is due to my amazing team for, you know, helping helping tweak things and brainstorm and make it better than I could have even imagined. Zach, is that what the experience was like for you in the creative process where when you work with a group of people, you start out with something and you have a vision of what it's going to look like. And by the time it goes through everybody's prism, the final product does not resemble what you originally had in mind. Oftentimes, I think it's sometimes that metamorphosis, and I'm speaking from my experience, it happens as you're writing the song, all of a sudden it changes. And you're, as you're writing, then you add, add other pieces, people playing and then it changes. I find if I'm making my own record, that happens less because I play all the instruments, but I'm working with other people, that happens, and I think it's almost always for the better. Uh, but, Angela, can I ask you a question about songwriting? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had this, too, like where you're in a room with people, and you're, there's like this zone of truth that happens amongst songwriters, where you all of a sudden you're sharing every vulnerability. Have you ever had somebody, after you've done the session, just be like, Hey, you're never gonna repeat any of that, right? Or is it an unspoken understanding between us songwriters? No one has ever. We've. It's never been said um, outright. I. F I feel like it's a quiet, like just a known given. Of course, you would never share what's been shared, like a, a secret code of conduct. But I've never heard anyone say that. As I question. haven't either, and I was just. 
I'm always fascinated. Just like, do we all have this mutual understanding that you better be cool or we're not working with you anymore? <laughs> yeah, I think your reputation precedes you. I think yeah. if you're if if you have loose lips, <laughs> no one's going to want to work with you. You know what I mean? So I think the way your demeanor and your manner and your professionalism in a room with songwriters really does matter and the kind of respect. And if you come in like a total douchebag and you think you're amazing and you walk all over everyone, like no one wants to work with people like that. So I do think among songwriters, there's there's an element of humility and respect that I just love. I think it's the coolest thing ever. Well, when you're collaborating with another songwriter like that, I would imagine that the sort of openness and vulnerability that Zach is talking about has to be the price of admission. Like, if, if this collaboration is going to work, you have to be willing to open yourself up. Do you have any advice for creators out there to help make that process happen for themselves? Because I imagine when you're doing your first collab with another songwriter, especially in your case, Angela, where it was with a complete stranger, how do you open yourself up in that scenario? Well, I think the other songwriter, so whoever is, you know, maybe more senior can really help set the tone. But uh, I'm just, I guess I'm backing up a little bit. I was in a co-write session. It wasn't the first one, you know, it was, it was one of the ones in Nashville. But I'll never forget, he, he started almost like, like downloading and just like spouting out phrases, like, they didn't really make sense. Some of them did, some of them, and it was just like, like he was just saying so not self-consciously. It was like, this is part of the job is just to like spout out phrases as quickly as I can. And maybe one will stick. And when I saw him doing that, I was like, he's, he's so brave. Like he, he's known me for three minutes and like, he's just being so vulnerable. And I think seeing that was like, okay, it's permission to do the same thing. And I think if you're starting out as a songwriter and you're going into a, a session, know that you can't rely on the other person to carry, you know, it's not a 40-60 thing. It's a 50-50. So, so you need to show up with just as much vulnerability as they're going to have. Otherwise, it's not fair to them. So you being vulnerable is, is part of, the task it's part of of the uh, the beauty and the job so if you're going to go in a room with someone then mentally prepare yourself that sh sharing and showing up for like um what's real for you you don't even have to give specifics but what is real for you and those emotions that come up is part of the job and that no one's going to judge you or think less of you in fact it'll only help you to bring that to the table I know that touring and live performing has always, you know, a, been a, a part of what you do. I've seen videos of you playing uh, with your, you know, with other musicians, and it's really inspiring to see it's great stuff. But obviously, like many creators, the pandemic has, you know, put a wrench in your touring plans. And you know, I, I know that last time we spoke, you had talked about wanting to tour again. I imagine some of that is on hold now. How have you been pivoting since the pandemic, and you know, since you haven't had? to tour as much and do you have any advice for other artists on how they can manage this time and make the most of it yeah so I have been pivoting um at the beginning it was really hard <laughs> I'm, I'm not like I don't really love playing like playing live I'll put it this way playing live for real people is totally my jam playing on a computer screen is the opposite <laughs> for me as Zach's nodding yeah so it just 
it's like it lacks this human element. And so for the first like maybe couple months, I was like, okay, I'm going to get on this live stream thing. I'm going to do it. And then I just hated it. I was like, this is so, so stupid. So getting you to play later <laughs> in this interview might be tricky is what you're saying. No, no, no. So wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. That was like in the very beginning. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> no, no, no. Great. Now I feel like an idiot. Fabulous. <laughs> no, but it's true. Uh, this is, I'm just being honest. Like, yeah. I, I did it and then I hated it. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then I, I, I really like humbled myself and I was like, look, this is the way that we're going for right now. And how selfish of me to just blow it all off and say it's stupid and I'm not connecting with anyone. Like, I realized I needed to think about other people and my fans and I needed to reach out to them. And that's actually when I did a lot of the songwriting for this record was when I reached out virtually to, to my fan base and I was like, hey, what do you need to hear? Like, what should go on this next record? What's hard for you? What... And I think there was a lot more empathy that I had during that time for the people who were like starving for, for some connection and, and con being able to connect with an artist that maybe you went to see before, even if you could only see them online, it felt, it felt like a piece of human life and connection. So I got back online and I, I've, I've just done more live streaming and and no nothing really long and formal. I realized that that's a little too much even for me. And so every now and then I would just get on and play a couple songs and just check in and do an Instagram live. And I think we've all gotten so much more comfortable with that. In the beginning, it was really awkward. Um, but, you know, we get our gear together. And, like, I think f for me and, and, you know, you mentioned touring and all of that. I've just allowed there to be this like huge question mark and open space for whatever's coming down the road. Like, I don't know. I don't have any tour plans. I have some shows that I play here and there, you know, solo and with my band. And, um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to keep everything really flexible and open. And I don't know what the world will look like when this record comes out. If there's a tour, if that, if it looks like it's going to be possible. Awesome. If not, then we'll pivot and, and I think removing that attachment to it, like need, needing it to be a certain way, I've just let go of that completely. And it's, it's served me. It's been better. Instagram Live has been your – so Instagram Live is your platform of choice for when you do engage in live streaming? Yeah, and like – and Facebook probably. I've done some on, on platforms like Twitch and there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. Periscope. Yes. There's entirely too many. The nice thing about the platform mm -hmm. that we use for this show, Angela, StreamYard, is all of our streaming platforms are preloaded, and we just click a button, mm -hmm. and it just goes to all of the yeah. different streaming services, including like 10 that I don't even know the name of, and I don't even need to think about it. And that makes our life a little bit easier over here. Oh, that's cool. It's distributed. Yes. Yeah, so like we're, that's awesome. So we're using this platform to do the interview, and then it just goes out to all the platforms. And I've, I've seen a lot of other artists uh, who use similar kind of platforms to this one, either StreamYard or Restream. Um, then again, I also know some artists who take a more focused strategy and either just do it directly on Twitch because maybe they have Twitch affiliate or partner status, so they have to be exclusive to that platform, or they're just on Instagram Live because that's where their fans are, or they're just on Facebook because that's where their fans are. It really is going to vary from artist to artist. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that's absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So 
one of the other things that I wanted to explore with you, Angela, is when I think about you making art during this pandemic, part of me thinks that the music that's going to come from this is is going to be really awesome because a big part of your songwriting throughout your life has been a product of just the incredible experiences that you've had. You've lived all over the world. You've uh, you know, gone through all these powerful experiences in your life that you have found a way to translate into your art and make incredible music. And I feel like this pandemic is just going to be one more incredible experience that is going to make fantastic music. Can you talk a little bit about the role that just the incredible life story that you have uh, plays in how you make art? You're so complimentary, Ryan. You're so kind and sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm not half um, as sweet as Zach. Zach's the nicest guy in the music business. Well, <laughs> but I'm the angry one on this podcast. But he's so angry this week. You? That's true. Like I, I no ended way. up as blog with Spotify stories. <laughs> yeah, you had me fired up. I looked up the the whole article and and I'm gonna I'm gonna stream your music all night, Zach. Yeah, love it. You on Spotify. Game the system. You know what? Angela, <laughs> right back at you. I'm doing that too. I'll, I'm gonna stream you all night. <laughs> Let's just screw it all up by streaming each other's music. Yeah. Yes, I love it. No, I'm totally with you though on the uh, the user centric platform. It it makes so much more sense. I know. The three of us, we so. got this cause going. Yeah. It starts here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So back to your question. Um, yes. Yeah, so. I think I'm just one of those, like, uh, what do they call them? Like empaths where whatever happens in my life, like literally flows through my body until I write a song about it and then it can exit. (laughs) So it's like a disease. And so, yeah, everything I go through becomes a song, like good or bad. Like if I feel something strong enough, my way of processing is through songwriting. So I always tell people, like, don't cross me because I'll write a song about you. And um, (laughs) it usually happens, actually. It doesn't always make it onto a record, but I usually write a song about it. Sounds almost therapeutic. Um, So it is therapeutic, yeah. So this uh, for this record, you know, I had a few of them, a few of the tracks, like, kind of in the queue already um, that I knew I wanted to record. But then when the pandemic hit, I you know, I slowed down and I just kept writing and the the recording dates with my producer in Nashville obviously got pushed back like five times. So it ended up being another year before I could even make it to Nashville. And then, you know, it's still not out. (laughs) Like it's just taking so long, but um, it gave me time to really just keep writing and whatever came through made it onto the record. And so there are many songs that are a reflection of this time for sure. Um, and, and then some that are, that are, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's related to the pandemic, but definitely women focused, women centric. Um, I, I feel pretty passionate about, um, women feeling like they're capable and women taking their their place in this world. I think that's something that I went through, you know, growing up in a, in a strictly, um, you know, very orthodox religious community. Um, I felt a lot of limitation around what was possible for me. 
So, um, yeah, so there's there's stuff. I mean, the, the record is, it is all, many things. <laughs> it touches a lot of subjects. Gosh, that's so, so exciting. So here's the challenge. Here's the dilemma I have, Angela. Uh, you got me very excited to want to hear a sample of some of this music, but I did just hear you say that performing on a live stream has been a hit or miss experience for you. But I can't help but ask, is there any way we can hear one of these songs, uh, one of your originals uh, here on the stream for us? Uh, we would so appreciate it. Yes, of course. I was planning on it. Yeah. And like I said, I'm used to it now. <laughs> so it's not a big deal. I really am. I've made my peace with it. So we're good. Oh. Yeah. I, you want me to play right now? Y yes. Let's uh, absolutely. Please. Can you tell us about the song you're going to play? Yeah. So um, so that was a good segue, what I was just talking about. Um, I reached out to my, my fans uh, maybe like a year a year ago. <clears throat> yeah, it was like last summer. And I, I realized that so many of my songs were just like about what I was going through. And, and so when I asked them, like, hey, what's, what's on your heart? Like, what do you need to hear? What hasn't been said in a song? Like, what, what do you want me to write about? And the response I got back was super interesting. It was a lot of women um, who, who maybe, you know, their kids had left home or, or they were, you know, kind of done with the child rearing or winding down in that arena. And they said, tell me that my life hasn't been a waste. Tell me that my life has meaning, that it hasn't just been a blank slate of service for someone else and that there's intrinsic value and that I, I matter. And that like hit me like a gut punch. Like how many women feel that way that they've spent their life living according to someone else's program, you know, someone else's plan for them. And I think that's a sentiment that's felt among a lot of women who maybe wake up a little bit later in life and they're like, wait a minute, what if I wanted to do X, Y, and Z, you know? And, and it's not, and it's actually not too late. And that's what this song is about. It's like really hopeful. It's, it's called Cherry on Top. And it's just a reminder to women everywhere that, um, you know, they're not the, they're not like the washed up thing. They're, they're like the best part of it. And it kind of, um, anyway, I wrote it in Nashville um, in a, in the hotel when I was staying there and it just like was one of those download songs that I just felt like came from the ether and just needed to be recorded. So, oh, that's tremendous. I'll play well, it for you. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, without further ado, oh, oh, here comes the guitar. Awesome. Very cool. All right. So the floor is yours. Let us hear cherry on top right here on break the business. Can you hear that pretty well? Put the dishes in the sink And I start to think If I could have a conversation With a younger self While I rearrange the salt And sugar on the shelf Life's gonna hand you a list 
saying, do that and then do this. You're gonna check all the boxes on your way out the door and wonder why you don't feel like yourself anymore. Well, it don't matter that you went and burned the cake or made a lemon from the sweetest lemonade. A good life is a matter of taste and nothing that you made has been a waste. You get to make your own memories and sometimes it's bittersweet. But you're not that burned out thing in the oven, honey, you're the cherry on top. up the pieces when they fall serving everyone till there's none left for you but you can have your cake and eat it too so pour yourself something sweet put those paint slippers on your feet changing the world from the inside out you're the kind of gold that never mellows out. So it don't matter that you went and burned the cake or made a lemon from the sweetest lemonade. A good life is a matter of taste and nothing that you made has been a waste. Mm, you get to make your own memories and sometimes it's bittersweet. But you're not that burned out thing in the oven, honey. You're the cherry on top. fantastic that warmed my heart thank you so much for playing that on the program this week thank you thanks for having me uh, very much our pleasure and you just come back as many times as you want if you if you want to come back again yeah. and just the, the three of us can just do 60 minutes on user-centric royalties i'm down <laughs> let's make that happen anytime you want to come by open door policy before we let you go angela one last question i want to ask that we ask all the guests who come on here do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Yes, I do. And this comes from personal experience. I would say 
stop worrying about trying to make it or trying to achieve numbers and go inside, go inside of yourself and work on feeling good enough. Work on feeling like you deserve to be happy because everything that you create coming out of that place will be marvelous. It will be just what it needs to be and trust yourself to make things that you're meant to make. And when you stop trying and trying and trying and pushing so hard, you just enter a place of like so much genuine, real creation that will speak to people and they're going to respond to that and they're going to love it. So that's my advice. That is great advice. And certainly we have been responding here at Break the Business and are just really big fans of what you do. We are really excited for your new Mm -hmm. album. That's going to be coming out later this year, right? 2021 actually fingers it crossed. might be 2022 oh no we will wait we you know Sorry. as long as it takes we will be uh, happy to have that record but uh but your your latest single is going to be coming out later this month right bloom this the bl- single bloom is out the music video, the video is coming on the 27th and then we're releasing a second single in october called the fall okay. and that's like a pop cool thing outstanding so. Check out AngelaSoph.com to learn more, everybody. Angela, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program this week. Oh, wow. She she is something, huh? Every time we have her on, Zach, she just blows me away. She's a wicked lyricist. I know. Really I mean, like her, vo- like, uh, her voice is, like, obvious, right? Like, her voice, her songwriting chops are obvious. Her lyrics are subtle, and I think that's my favorite part of what she does. Absolutely. And the great guests keep on coming here at Break the Business next week. We're going to be joined by Justin Longo, the founder of Marination Music Investment Company. He comes up with alternative funding models to help artists fund their music careers. I'm excited to talk to folks like this. I think kind of figuring out how to thread that particular needle about uh, alternative funding models, artists creating structured asset classes, uh, where they can kind of sell pieces of their royalty streams to artists to fund their records up front and keep their music out of the hands of record labels. I'm excited to hear about those kind of models, so I love talking to these financial minds who understand numbers way better than I ever could and hearing about what ultimately the, f- the future of indie creation is going to be, I think. Man, you know, the more I think about the evolution of this podcast, the more I think that those types of things are what you've been sort of driving for for a long time and it makes me excited to see that there are more and more opportunities for indie artists out there to take advantage of that it, it is so I, it's i'm gonna be tuning into that episode it's endlessly exciting for me and then also later this month we're going to be having on uh, chris howard who is the uh, the founder of an organization called the rattle which is like a vc fund for musicians so basically This is like a VC fund that invests in musicians' careers. Musicians get to own their own business with this company acting as an investor. And so instead of the record label model where the label owns everything, pays you a tiny royalty, it's more like the venture capital model where a company is investing in your career and you own your career alongside this investor, but you succeed together and you get to control your art along the way. See, I mean, whether it's these kind of innovative financial models or corporate models, I'm excited about these developments because I think this is where the industry is heading. And uh, if we can get those things accomplished and user-centric royalties, I think we'll be in good shape. (laughs) My man. 
Speaking my language, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think we did roll. I think our show was a 17 out of 20 today, right? I, th I thought this one went really well. Um, Don't even get me started on lists. <laughs> and it's a pleasure, as always, to do this show with you, Zach. Thank you so much for being on this week. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. And thank you all for joining us on Break the Business. We will see you next week.